Gonzaga Nation SI. I'm your host, Dan Dickow. We've got one of my favorite repeat guests, one of the best <laughs> analysts in college basketball, someone I get a chance to uh, do some studio work with on occasion for CBS Sports back in the Big Apple of New York City. Friend of mine, Chris Walker. Chris, appreciate you joining. Hey, man, listen, I told you I'm going to get rid of my agent. I told him yesterday I'm hiring Dan Dick out because he does a great job. The <laughs> intros are second to none, man. <laughs> uh, appreciate that. Well, you know, it's funny. I We were, were going to talk about a number of different topics, but you throw the word agent out there. There's agents now with their hands in college basketball with this NIL world. I, I had a conversation with somebody uh, off the record the other day, and agents are getting 20% of NIL deals. And they're just boosting what the expectations are for players. And some of these NIL collectives aren't able to, to get to that number. So it's becoming a really weird world in college basketball these days. Are you hearing some of the same stories? You know what? With everything, especially especially something that's dramatic, as a dramatic a change as this is, there's going to be some trial and error to start. Uh, and in everything, as you know, uh, Dan, there's always bad actors. Uh, there's also an element to it not being regulated. And there's businessmen handling it. And it's a result-driven business. So when things don't work out, obviously, you you know, the world of summer basketball, as you and I know it, is completely different than the world it is now. And a lot of that is us. A, there are some things that re really need to be curtailed. And B, guys like me and you really need to get involved and really see it from a different perspective of what's going on now. Similar to kids laughing at me if I said, hey, man, I'm on Facebook. And they're like, coach, no one does Facebook at our age. We do Instagram. And then really saying, okay, well, I need, if I'm in the, the world where kids are, or are, are, are the world that kids are in, if I really want to reach them, then I need to get on Instagram and start understanding what's going on so I can really understand how to handle them. So obviously there's two things moving to the middle. We need to a little bit, be a little bit more understanding and pursue more knowledge and try to put our influence on it. And then they, on the other hand, need to understand that this is actually the wild, wild west and it needs to be curtailed. Uh, to your point about, I have heard a lot of disaster stories, but I'm going to be honest with you, uh, Dan, if you and I played today, we would be doing the same thing. Sure. We can say sure. that. Yeah. But if somebody came to Dan Dickow's family, so we're going to give them, you know, $600,000 to leave uh, Washington to go to Gonzaga or or the, uh, the other way around. Man, he's doing great at Gonzaga. He's a sophomore. Why would he leave? Well, Gonzaga can only pay him, you know, 65000 Washington can pay him 600000 What are you going to do? Because yeah. think about it. In, in a Hunter Dickinson situation, supposedly that was what happened. <laughs> no, you make some really good points. And, you know, one of the first comments you made was it's going to take some time. And, and I said that from the start with NIL, it's going to take two, three years to kind of flush out what the true value is for players at different levels and different leagues and what programs uh, can handle value wise with their fan base. Um, so I, I still think we've got a little bit of time before it kind of you know, evens back out because it is the wild, wild west. And there is a lot of figuring out still that has to happen in this world. Well, here's the other part to it. And I think they just passed a, uh, uh, some legislation that said that the schools now can handle it. Because what happened is you have these collectives, let's say like, you know, Husky, the Husky dogs group, 
and they're the ones, and then they say the coaches can have nothing to do with it. That makes zero sense because how does the Husky Dog group know who to pursue unless they're in cahoots with the coaches? It makes yeah. zero sense the way that law was put together. So then the coaches, how do you think they know what a kid's value is? You think they know? So then what happens is I know a particular school who wants to do a documentary on it. They're disenchanted because a kid who goes to a high major averages two points a game. And because he's at that high major, maybe it didn't work out for whatever reason. He goes to school B, who's, a, again, a power five, but not the same level power five. And he's trying to get 250 grand when he scored one point a game at the other place. And the guys in the collective are like, guys, are you guys serious? But the coach wants him. Yeah. So the other thing is, you know, it's hurt high school kids, too. The other yeah. thing. And you know what's funny, Dan? And I'll say this. You were an elite transfer. I don't understand. There needs to be more documentation and data out there. Yes, you have to get older. You know, my alma mater's going through it right now. Where they're like, we got to get with the Joneses. But look what Kentucky did. They got with the Joneses and it went in the other direction. It mm -hmm. doesn't, and Duke is holding steady to what they've done. And at the end of the day, the question is, are, are you a good player or not? Because when Kentucky was doing it, they had the best guys. The problem is it went from De'Aaron Fox to the Harrison Twins to Tyrese Maxey to Savia Wheeler. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. It went from Jacob Toppin, right? It went from Mike Gilchrist to Julius Randle to Jacob Toppin. That's the problem, you know? And so, again, it's recruiting, but, you know, they're fast followers, man. This thing is crazy how these coaches just jump on board. Well, let's just get a bunch of transfers. And y'all, my mother's doing it too, yeah. right? But at the end of the day, Julius Suggs was not a transfer, right? Uh, Drew Timmy was not a transfer. I mean, the really good players that went there, Rui and all those guys, were not transfers. You yeah, I think the best, the best programs are are the ones that are able to balance the needed transfers with experience in the positions that they maybe don't feel comfortable with their young players or their incoming guys. I think um, Gonzaga's done a nice job of balancing that. But, you know, with such holes with Timmy leaving and Strother leaving, they had to get a couple – very experienced and really good players. And I think they got that in Nemhart um, and Graham E.K. You know, let's talk about oh, the two, two really good ones. <laughs> yeah. Two unbelievably good ones. You know, yeah. when you let, let's talk about the big East. Um, they were a, maybe the best conference last year in, in all of college basketball. You've had your eye on the big East for a long time. Cause you played there. You've coached there. Um, you're an East coast guy. You also cover national landscape of stuff. Is the Big East the best conference um, from top to bottom? And how about the the fan atmosphere? Because every time I watch a Big East game, there's a couple anomalies in the past with Georgetown not drawing fans when I watch on TV. But there's some great atmospheres in that league. Am I right? And the, you think about it, they're all media hubs. That's the other thing, the way they built the league. you know. And so obviously they had a couple of years where it was a Louisville where there was a Notre Dame, where there was a uh, West Virginia that was in the league at those times, Cincinnati as well. But the league, is in, in its inception, was built around the media, built around basketball being the epicenter that is the East Coast sport. And they have a lot of tradition there. Whether it was the best league, I, see, one thing I don't do, and my colleague, your colleague as well, and I and John Rothstein, we fight about this all the time. Tournament success doesn't mean that the leagues are better. I don't believe that. You know, because I don't believe you can just drop certain teams in certain leagues and they'll be successful just because they played in this other league. I believe you could put Michigan State in any league and they'll be good. 
Yeah. You just can't you just can't put certain teams in other leagues and be like, okay, well, Marquette will dominate the Big 12. I don't know that. I'm not so sure they can go to Kansas and win or go to Baylor. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying the leagues are different. So I would say unequivocally last year, based on the numbers, and that's another thing that drives me crazy sometimes, is that the Big 12 was a really good league. But here's the thing, uh, Dan, you and I being former players and, and announcers now, current announcers with the eye test, this was one of the least talented Kansas teams I've ever seen. I love Jalen Wilson, my Texas guys. But yeah. Jalen Wilson was not a McDonald's All-American. He was not a superstar that came in and played right away. He's a four-year guy. Uh, 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 they did. They played K.J. Adams. They didn't play Uday, who was a McDonald's All-American. I'm just saying – they this was a great masterful coaching job by Bill to Bill Self, and they still won the league. So you want me to believe that it's the best league ever? I'm sorry. <laughs> and on the other side, the Big East, Jay Wright retires. Villanova doesn't make the tournament. You know what I mean? So yeah. so, and again, they had injuries and stuff. But you know, people, you get two easy wins in Gonzaga and DePaul. Like I'm just saying, like to say which league is the best. Uh, let's say that the top of the leagues, you know. Which teams are the strongest? Do you believe that Marquette, if they were in the, the Big Ten, would they survive? Vice versa, do you believe that if Michigan was in the Big East, how would they perform? And that's kind of hard with the numbers. And I'm going to say the Big East was probably the second best league. I mean, UConn finished what? They didn't even win the, win the league. Yeah. And they were far and away probably the best team. And that's why it's hard to talk about the NCAA because the NCAA is about matchups. Because UConn yep. didn't have to play Kansas to get to the Final Four, mm-hmm. you know, because Kansas beat Ar- Arkansas beat Kansas. So, you know, the NCAA tournament is all about matchups. So it's hard to me to say, well, they did this, so they're the better league. I'm going to say I would love to see, and this is going to be crazy when I say it, more of the Big East, Big 12, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12. I'd like to see more of those matchups between the leagues. Like more than one year. You're talking about like, like those cross league shootout matchups yes, early in the yes, season. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there should be two or three of them, right? And not let them play, you know, Stony. Again, I don't want to disrespect any schools, and not let them play certain schools because at the end of the day, let's face it, San Diego State hadn't won a tournament game since 2015. They was an out, they were an outlier, and they were due. And they, yeah. again, it came down to matchups. Certain teams lost, whatever. But the bottom line is, it's a Power Five tournament, Dan. Would you agree or disagree? It's a power five, power six. I'm sorry. You know, it's a power six event. You're, you're correct in the fact that the power five schools are typically the ones that are going to make those deep runs. But, you know, the fact that the mid majors, you know, like a FAU and a San Diego State can get hot and that the matchups work, that creates so much buzz and so much excitement. But yes, in regards to probably going to win the whole thing, it is a power conference uh, kind of event. But I want to go back and ask you a little bit more about you made the the comment about Bill Self having a masterful coaching job this past year. Jay Wright, not at Villanova in his first year. Villanova went through some ups and downs. Just how important is is coaching? Because I obviously there are some that separate themselves just in recruiting, game planning, player development. But give me a couple of examples of coaches that you just think are truly head and shoulders above the others i mean again just because this is a, a national bro- uh, i know your your deal is big time i i will not just single out guys just because <laughs> i know the sensitivity of coaches i will single out what coaches did this year okay right? so like last year if you want to say last year 
doesn't matter what the factors are. I'm still mad that Providence won the Big East last year for the first time with, with COVID seniors, but Villanova had COVID seniors as well. Ed Cooley did a masterful job in my mind this year. Get about last year, losing the guys that he lost and still doing what he did this year was unbelievable. Shaka Smart, just staying with the Big East, lost top guys, picked, I want to say, ninth this year and won the league. That's a masterful job. McDermott, with all those injuries, you're still talking about him. And Dan Hurley, I'll say this, Dan Hurley was three years ago in, in the AAC. And mm-hmm. look what they've done in three years. So he did a masterful job, even though they were struggling. Uh, I would say at the end of the day, Tom Izzo always doing a great job because I Tom Izzo is not the Tom Izzo. I wouldn't say Tom Izzo is not Tom Izzo. He doesn't get the same talent. They don't get the same returns in the regular season because they were a dominating force. They were a fixture like Gonzaga was in the NCAA, Gonzaga, I'm sorry, in the NCAA tournament for a very long time, right? Yeah. Obviously, Mark Mark Few, I mean, come on, man. Like, we got to just keep giving it what it is. Every That consistency, that model of consistency, and I want to talk to you about Gonzaga in a second, that model of consistency is hard, especially with the changing faces, with the landscape of college basketball. Um, uh, just so I can spread it around a little bit, Mick Cronin, are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, great. unbelievable coach. And, and I'll say Tommy Lord, he lost a lot. You know, you know, he lost a lot of guys, and this is only his second year as a head coach. With the expectations being through the roof, I mean, I was a little bit disappointed in Arizona this year, but at the end of the day, you give Tommy Lord about five years, that, that program is going to be very, very, very hard to beat. Uh, and like I said, if you, if I grab a – you know, in a big – I mean, I mean uh, Baylor with Scott Drew, another program, and and uh, I would just mm, – I mean, again, like me jumping around. And, and I'll give some love to some guys like uh, uh, Stan Johnson at LMU. I thought that was some market improvement yeah. there. At LMU, uh, I thought that, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 let me say, uh, let me give uh, again some mid-major teams that did exceptional jobs. Uh, I want to make sure I give them some love as well. Uh, Florida Atlantic, obviously, Dusty. You know, here's a funny thing, uh, Dan. Dusty did that unbelievable job, and there was not a job for him to get. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was yeah. no job available. That made sense. Get. It made sense for him to stay. And, and Rodney Terry, I mean, he did an exceptional job. Like, that's a very tough position to be in. Uh, and, again, I'm jumping around like crazy, but I'm just in my mind. Missouri, Dennis Gates did a great job this year. And to your point about the structure of it, being a coach for a long time. In the NBA, you know this. I didn't play in the league. You did. And the one thing that drives me crazy about the league, and I watch the Lakers, I watch every little thing. I watch the little things about the NBA. They do not play to the fourth quarter. In the regular season, they play all game long in the playoffs. When the timeouts are called, I always tell people, watch who's paying attention. Yeah. Like, how, like, it amazes me. In college, Dan, you know that would never, ever happen. And never. I think the NBA... And I think the NBA is more situational based in college where they work on it a lot because they don't practice a lot. And in college, the really good coaches work on the situations more, yep. you know, and because that's what the really big games come down to. And uh, so it's tough. Uh, you know, I think Tony Bennett did a great job this year because I don't see the talent that he used to have, yeah. you know. And so, again, just jumping around. But, yes, coaching absolutely matters to me more in college than it does in pro one thousand percent because these kids when they come from high school they come from varied backgrounds a lot of them don't understand how to play they don't understand every possession matters because they don't play hard in AAU like that they don't know how to read scouting reports would you say this I'm gonna ask you a quick question I know I'm talking a lot would you say football players 
know how to diagram on a posy board or a dry dry erase board more than basketball players. Wow. Uh, I would think so because they probably, I mean, they spend more time in, from my recollection, they probably spend more time in the film room and in positional meetings than, than they do at a younger age in basketball. So would you say that maybe if we did that more in basketball, talk about the coaching end, that would make players better? I think there's not enough time. Like, play, like you can tell a player, hey, draw a 46X. They'll be like, uh, uh, what side am I on? Uh, yeah. what, I mean, you're sitting there going like, you don't know how to draw the player? Yeah. Like, I, I think there's an indictment on coaching. And I think football has it far more figured out than basketball because basketball, we just, oh, just throw the ball out there and let him go. He can really score. And then, Dan, you know this, when they play against an elite defense, that like a Steve Kerr who switches up the pick and rolls, then they adjust, then they do this. And just because you can jump high doesn't mean you can score. Just If you can only dribble with your left hand, they have analytics that say push him right every time or trap yeah. him because he's not a good passer. I think football players have that stuff, coaches figured out, more than basketball coach. That's a unique and interesting point. And I'm going to have to spend some time thinking about that uh, in regards to, to my own philosophies when I coach AAU and I, I look at and prepare for games next year on the broadcast side. But that's interesting. Last cu- question, Chris, for you. Uh, you're, you're very well entrenched uh, on the East Coast. We've talked a little bit about the Big East. Gonzaga's flirted with conference realignment now over the last couple of years. Mountain West was kind of really talked about, but it was uh, kind of more of a power play by Gonzaga to, to get a better deal from the WCC a few years back. But Pac-12s had movement, USC, UCLA moving to the Big Ten. There's talk and interest of Gonzaga going to the Pac-12. There's talk and interest of Gonzaga going to the Big 12. I think the Big East would be the perfect fit because of a lot of what you mentioned earlier. It's a basketball-centric league. If the Big East were able to go a Western division of, say, five or six teams, a Central of five or six teams, and an Eastern division of five or six teams, I think that makes the most sense because Gonzaga is basketball-centric. I'm sure you've heard lots of ideas out there and thoughts, but just what your best, if Gonzaga were to leave the WCC, the best in your eyes, and would the Big East model work for them? You know, it comes down to economics, man. You know this. Like, can the other teams – because I see it with West Virginia in the Big 12. When I was a head coach at Tech, that was a trip you dreaded. Man, we got to fly all the way out there. There's not another travel partner in between, if that makes sense, Mm because every team is in Texas, basically. Uh, I'll say this. To me, if I was Gonzaga sitting in their chair, obviously media-wise, Gonzaga would get more coverage because they'd be playing at a different time. Right. So we would know, you know, other than when they're playing on the West Coast, we would see their games a lot more. They would get a lot more visibility on Fox and they'd be playing at Villanova. They'd be playing at St. John's. They'd be playing at DePaul in Chicago, at UConn. And those games are great games. But by the same token, and again, this is I don't want the Gonzaga fans to get mad at me. But when you used to get 15 layups in the WCC, now the expectation is very different because you're not going to dominate. You're not going to be 26 and five anymore. Mm-hmm. So to me, it makes more sense if I'm Gonzaga to see if the Pac-12 and the Mountain West merge and getting that lead. That makes more sense to me. To jump to the Big East, you would be like, again, Gonzaga gets elite talent. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's saying if Gonzaga played in the Big I would ask you, put you on the frying pan for a second. If <laughs> Gonzaga says we're joining the Big Ten, 
mm-hmm. at Michigan, at Michigan State, come home, playing Illinois, playing, uh, 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 you know, Purdue. Then the next game, at Penn State. Then, you know what I mean? Like every single game yep. in Northwestern. You think they're going to be 26 and 5 every year? It won't be the same. So for the no, I agree with you, and, and that's that's a conversation play. that a lot of fans and followers of Gonzaga basketball have had. Is like, if they were to switch leagues, your expectations for the record and league titles would have to adjust. Gonzaga yeah. has always played a difficult non-conference um, to prepare themselves to win a league title and and be able to be prepared for NCAA tournament runs. Um, but I do, I do think that you know if they switch to a bigger league the expectations 100% would switch you you wouldn't be talking about going undefeated uh in league every year like unfortunately it's it's an expectation that is out there all the time now but it's so unbelievably unfair cuz you're unfor- you're going to lay an egg occasionally when you get into the deep part of the season Dude, let me tell you something there's a chance of them being like a Villanova and not making a tournament I'm just saying the expectation. Gonzaga has been the most successful program the last ten years. That will end. That will end. And yeah. so, uh, with that being said, and it's just what it is, you know. And so, my listen, Carolina brand is unbelievable. Duke, they go through struggles. So to think that a Gonzaga wouldn't go through a struggle is ridiculous. It will be an adjustment. And I'm saying, why? If I'm Gonzaga, and I'm not saying that you know they should do this, why do you care? You have a chance to make it to the final four every single year. What ex- whose expectation you're trying to live up to? What's wrong with winning all the time? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if you're saying you're trying to get more money, you know, more TV money, more this, more that, I get it. If that's the the the, the reason why. But what's wrong with winning all the time? They like you said, they've already proven they can play out of conference. You know what their out of conference schedule was last year? Purdue, Texas, Baylor. I want to say Michigan State. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like six games. You know yeah. what I mean? And so, in, in truth, and then obviously what they have also done is the WCC has, like, Loyola's good. San Diego's going to be better. Uh, San Francisco was a good team. St. Mary's is always good. Uh, th- th- so, what I'm saying, and Santa Clara's good. They have had two pros. So, what I'm saying is them being good has allowed the WCC to kick, you know, to kick up their, their – their, uh, their persona or their profile a little bit more. The point, the last point I'll make is because they don't have football and you're talking about joining the Pac-12. See, I don't think BYU makes sense for the Big 12. I don't. I think BYU makes more sense for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing about Gonzaga is they don't have football and all the Mountain West teams do. So you're right. They fit in the Big East. The question is, do people want to go on the East Coast? Does Connecticut want to fly to Gonzaga? Does St. John's want to fly to Gonzaga? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Gonzaga is going to benefit from this like crazy. Because guess what else? They're going to get better players, too. They're going to be in a market for better players on the West Coast, and it's going to hurt the Pac-12. You know what I'm saying? It's going to hurt the Pac-12. No, there's some good points, some some big truth in there. And, and, you know, I think the WCC has been tremendous for Gonzaga. And I've I've always said – they need to stay in the WCC as long as it makes sense. If something Absolutely. is out there that is a no-brainer, that will be the time. But it'll be so clear-cut that it'll probably be like, we have to. This makes no it, sense. Yeah. Not to. So yeah, I, I they love won't have a choice, yeah. 
I agree with you. I think the WCC has continued to elevate. I think they were the eighth best league in, in Ken Palm analytics this year. And I know analytics aren't everything, but it's a good enough league to prepare them for everything that they need. And you mentioned it. They're producing pros at Santa Clara. Pepperdine's got a couple guys that have a chance. Uh, you know, uh, USD's getting better under Steve Lavin. USF had some really good players last few years. So the, the league is good, but I do agree with you that it is a slight notch down below those power five teams that are always uh, referenced in regards to the tournament. Let me say this real quick. I know we got to go. It's power six because we had the Big East, right? Mm-hmm. Now, think about that. You said they were eighth in Ken Palm. There are power Paul. six leads. There's power six. Now, think about it. Mountain West may be seventh, and they had San Diego State who went to the national championship with four teams. And if Gonzaga and the WCC is eighth, that is amazing because they're never going to be – and the Pac-12 probably is lower uh, in, in some respects this year because it was down. But they're usually going to be in that Power 5, Power 6, Mount West, Power 7. If the WCC is eight, there's like 36 leads. Why are you leaving? Yeah. <laughs> you're never going to be in the top five or the top six. It's going to be yeah. very difficult. The highest you're going to get is seven. So what are you leaving for? <laughs> I don't, Good stuff I, as I always. Say, Yep. My man, we got to get you more in the studio, man. You got to come back east, man. Get off that West Coast, man. Absolutely. I know uh, I've, I've talked to the powers that be already to kind of have a postseason review. And the hope is I get back to the studio a little bit more next year because, uh, you know, I guess my request would be that they're on the same days that you are there so we can chop up <laughs> all these different ideas pre, during the show and after the show. <laughs> you already know. Hey, I give you credit for one thing, and I keep telling all the guys on the set the same thing. I say, what did Dan Dickow teach you? One thing, he taught me how to say Gonzaga. Gonzaga. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. All right well, appreciate the time, Chris. Enjoy the uh, sure. Coast weather, and we'll talk soon. Dave, for sure. Thank you.